The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Well, again, let me add my welcome on top of the welcome that you have received from Big G, Little G, and Jeremy, and Jasmine, Stephanie. It's great to have uh, so many familiar faces in the room. Let me add a, a special welcome to those of you that are here for the first time. It's, it's great to have you. Please make yourself at home and hope that you will have the opportunity to discover the, the various ways you might be involved here at the end. One of the things that I want to alert you to that we haven't talked a whole bunch about in the first three weeks is that we are a community that, that prays, and we love to pray for you, college students. And there's three great ways to do that uh, here at the Inn. Uh, there are Connect cards on uh, the table back there. There's the, you, you can find them uh, here in the room. And on the back of those cards, you can write out a prayer request, uh, drop it in the box. And, and we had some people pray for those requests uh, from the first two weeks, right before the end tonight, and there's people in this church that love to to find out what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and pray for you. Uh, we have a prayer corner back here that during the end, as we worship in song, a little bit later on tonight, uh, we're going to be partaking the Lord's Supper. You'll have a chance to uh, to go get prayer then. And then, of course, you know there are those moments of crisis where you don't know what to do, but you think, you know, maybe I should pray. Uh, you can actually go on our our website. And there's, there's a little link to prayer requests. Throw down your prayer requests, and we will be praying for you as soon as somebody gets that. So three ways to pray here at the end. A connect card in the corner and the website. And of course, hey, there's a lot of different ways to pray. But those are just three places to jump off. Uh, well, here we go. We're going to continue uh, coming into the scriptures tonight, continuing a series that we got started. And I want to get started by... by uh, Directing your attention uh, this way, that uh, perhaps a few years ago you saw these, these Southwest Airlines commercials where someone is doing something that turns out to be rather embarrassing and the announcer eventually comes on and says, want to get away? Well, the one that makes me squirm just because it is so awkward and perhaps because it hits a little too close to home in that I have been on both sides of the equation is this one that I want to show you uh, right here. Again, a commercial from Southwest Airlines uh, that, that I think creates uh, just the, the awkward moment. Take a look. You've decorated in here. Want to get away? <laughs> you, yeah, you know. I mean, why is it that we're always so curious to know what people put on their rashes, okay? I mean, if you want to know what I put on my rash, you don't need to go through my medicine cabinet. Just come and ask me, all right? You got to love a good... If, if you want to be sure to embarrass somebody as you're walking down Memorial Way on your way to class, you can be, you know, like, hey, what's up, Steve? Hey, how's your rash? Okay, see, see how that works out for you. Uh, perhaps there was, there was a moment that I had where, where I, I had a, 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 a medicine cabinet moment. Now, I, I was a young boy. In fact, I can't even believe I'm going to tell you guys this right now. But 
I'm in uh, the bathroom of the, of the home that I grew up in, and I came across my mom's tube of mascara. Now, I had seen her use this crazy thing before where, you know, she stands in front of the mirror and she has this thing and it doesn't really look like she's doing anything. She's just going like this, okay? Well, in this moment, my curiosity absolutely overwhelmed me as I'm in the bathroom by myself with this tube of mystery right in front of me. So in I go, pull this thing out, and in that moment, I should actually probably congratulate myself because I finally figured out what it was for. Oh, this is for eyelashes. Okay. And then I thought, you know what? I bet this is the thing that the football players use. I don't remember how old I was. You know, I was probably like five, six, maybe nine. I don't know. (laughs) But so I get into myself, at which point somehow my mom comes in and is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, boy. In any way that I might have been proud of myself or even admiring how I looked in that moment was totally gone. And if I, honestly, if there was the possibility to lie in that moment, I might have tried. But it was so painfully obvious that I was totally into her mascara that I had had nothing else I could do other than uh, than say, I got into your mascara. (laughs) Okay. A moment where I would have loved, I, I can't, even the fact that I can remember it now, where I would have loved the announcer to come on and say, hey, want to get away? Heck, yes, I want to get away. I want to curl up in the fetal position and find my happy place. How about you? No doubt there are moments that you wanted out of. Often these moments can be those moments where you're studying for a midterm, you're writing a big paper, and you just want it to be done. I see this in romance, or what we might call the end of romance. You know, when, when you know you want to break up with someone, but, you know, it's just kind of hard to confront it, and it can go on for a month or three before you finally break the ice and say, ah, we need to talk. That's a moment that's not fun for anyone. Nobody really wants to be there. I know this because I've been on both sides of that equation for what it's worth. There are plenty of times that we are in those situations that we want to get away from that we have created. But there are also plenty of situations where we want to get away that we have not created the situation. Uh, Perhaps this is the way that you have been abused. Perhaps it's because of, of dysfunction in your family or even abuse or, that has happened to a loved one that has a profound impact on your life. Those things where other people make choices that leave us in a place of wanting to hear that voice that says, want to get away. Well, one of the primary invitations that God gives really at the beginning of the Old Testament sounds a lot like want to get away. Our God is a God of deliverance. A God of deliverance. And that's what I want us to think about tonight. Let's pray before we come to the text. Holy God, illuminate your word for us. Help us develop a better understanding of of who you are in what you are up to in the world. Lord, in this moment, we don't even know how prayer works. But we invite your presence to be with us, uh, and, and we trust that you are. And so earnestly we ask, teach us something tonight. Help us to know you more. That's why we're here. 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, tonight we continue a series that we started at the beginning of the quarter uh, that we've titled, God's Story is Our Story. Now, last week, Janie was up here and gave a talk about Abraham and showed us a God that makes promises. And this primary promise is a promise of blessing. It's one of the foundational stories of the entire Bible. Uh, A bit of a shameless plug here that if you weren't here last week, I want to invite you to take a look at our website or the in app. Yes, the in has an app. We're hip. We're down. We're with it. Okay. And, and that has all of our audio content and some other goodies on it. But it, again, Janie gave a, a talk about a story that is foundational if you're going to understand the whole of Scripture. And the, the story that we're going to engage tonight is another one of those, those key stories that, that will help us better understand the heart of God as it is revealed in the pages of the Bible. Now, we believe that God is a big, mysterious, and very powerful God. And sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming. But the reason that we're making a big deal about engaging the story of Scripture is that we we believe that God can be known. Yes, you can know God, and the primary way we do that is by looking at, at these stories from Scripture. Now, the story of the Exodus was one of the the key ways, one of the primary ways that the ancient Hebrews knew of God's activity in the world. Because of God's deliverance of Israel, that is God's chosen people, out of the increasingly oppressive hands of slavery in Egypt, and God accomplished this deliverance, as we're going to look at, by enlisting a murdering, wandering, stuttering doubter named Moses to help out. Now, I know that you all read a bunch of different versions of the Bible, which is awesome. And I invite you to bring your Bibles here every week. We're going to be looking at the scriptures every week. So if you bring your Bible, you are going to have a chance to open it. And so I want to I do a, a quick overview in the next five to seven minutes um, of this story that really takes place over about 13 chapters. Uh, and I'm going to give you what I might call the T-R-I-V version, which is the R-N version of the Exodus story, okay? Are you, are you guys ready for this? This is kind of like those of you that are watching NFL football and see the, the highlights on ESPN. This is going to be like the, they do like the fastest five minutes in sports. This is going to be like the fastest five minutes in biblical storytelling. You ready for this? Thumbs up if you're with me. Here we go. Now, not that I'm going to go full on Benjamin Button on you, but I'm going to start from kind of the end of this story, and then we're going to go back and work forward. Here's what happens. The Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, many of you are familiar with it. It begins with these words. It says, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, here's the key part, who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. That before we even get these Ten Commandments, these, these ideas, these paradigms, these guidelines on how the people will be the people of God, it starts by saying, remember who I am and what has already happened, that I have been active in your lives. And that's what we're going to grasp a little bit uh, tonight, this deliverance out of a land of Egypt, out, um, out of the land of slavery. Now, Moses, okay, we saw a version of Moses up here during the opportunity, the opener and opportunities. Grant plays a very good Moses. Okay, 
And he's a very familiar name when it comes to the faith. He's one of the heroes of the faith. So what you are about to hear could be a bit surprising. And honestly, I hope encouraging that you're going to hear of a pretty broken, confused dude that in this story kind of goes from zero to hero. So as Moses is born and, and, and pulled out of the river, he is living down in Egypt and one day sees an Egyptian man abuse one of his fellow countrymen. And so what does Moses do? He goes and takes justice into his own hand and kills the dude. Now he thinks that nobody is going to notice or nobody's watching him, but soon Moses discovers that it is discovered that he did this. And so he flees, he runs off. He gets out of Dodge and he says himself, I have become a stranger in a strange land. He's out there in Midian and he was, gonna, he was there for a long time. And then the Bible gives us this key note at the end of Exodus 2. And I want to encourage you to make a note of this, this passage. Exodus 2, beginning at the 23rd verse, because I really think that it frames the rest of the book of Exodus. If you're going to understand this book, you have to read these passages because they, they frame what you're about to read. And it says this, that during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry of help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now, we read this because we have to get an image of God that actually hears the groaning of the people. Is that your image of God? When you groan, do you think God hears you? He hears the groaning of a people who enslaved, a God who remembers the promises that Janie talked about last week, the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he is, as the text says, concerned about them. Is the God that, that you know concerned about you? Is God concerned about your neighbor? That's what this passage is telling us, that what you're about to read comes out of a God that hears that is concerned, that remembers the promises that God has made to the people. And so we continue. It is right after this that the Lord spectacularly shows up and, and states the, this promise out of his concern in a really awkward way, the story of the burning bush. And so Moses is a little bit reluctant, as any of us would be, if we saw this burning bush out in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't know what go, what's going on. So Moses, uh, in Exodus 3, verse 10 says this. Or I'm sorry, we're going to go with Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land that is flowing with milk and honey. And so the Lord spectacularly shows up in this burning bush, states his promise out of his concern, the promise to deliver the people from an old place to a new place before telling Moses the plan. Okay? 
He's got this plan to rescue, to take you to a, new, to a new place, to a place that is flowing with milk and honey. A great phrase to say, I've got a good plan and a good place for you. And he continues with Moses in verse 10. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, well, but, but wait, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What, then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Again, key. I am who I am. Now, Volumes, books upon books have been read about, have been written about what does this mean? This whole I am who I am thing. Why is this significant? Well, there, there's obviously there's a lot of things I could say. Here's the one I like the best that comes from uh, a theologian who says the best translation of this is the Lord saying to Moses, as who I am, I will be with you as you are. That's what Yahweh means. As who I am, I will be with you as you are. As I am, I will be with you as you are. Wow. Is that the God you know? The God that says, as I am, I will be with you as you are. And then it goes on to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From a literary standpoint, this would be that point where people who are reading this or hearing this for the first time are going, the same God that created the world, that showed up to Abraham, that Janie talked about last week, it's the same guy. And he's showing up and he's involved. He's making a promise to us. And so when we hear that, we would expect that Moses would respond confidently and decisively. But he does not. Not unlike us, perhaps, he hears God's vision and is overwhelmed and subsequently covered in doubt and insecurity as he begins to realize that he is this pick to lead the deliverance not only of himself, but of an entire group of people. He goes on to make more excuses and the Lord hears them, but he doesn't totally capitulate to, to Moses' desires. Okay, you already heard a couple of excuses. Well, they continue. Moses uh, continues, says, well, what if they don't, do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? But then the Lord says to him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, go throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, and I don't think we have this projected, but this is a good part of the story. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, has appeared to you. That they may believe that God has appeared to you. 
So you see, the Lord is consistent in hearing Moses' complaints and concerns, but he doesn't change his mind that even though you think, Moses, that I, the Lord, have got the wrong guy, while I hear your concerns and I get it, you are still the guy. And there's nothing you can say that's going to convince me otherwise about that. Now, what follows this is an absolute epic. First, there is a verbal standoff between Moses and the Egyptian leader named, named Pharaoh. It, he, he basically goes and says, hey, man, you're going to need to let my people go. And it's a hashtag war of words. And it's like, what hashtag did he just say that? Oh, Moses is like, oh, hashtag, oh, yes, I did. Okay. And then there's a series of crazy, crazy, pla- crazy plagues, right? Where these guys are going, man, the fruit flies are bad this year. Hashtag big plague. Okay. Was going to go fishing this morning. Hashtag the water was nasty. It was turned to blood. Okay. There's all sorts of, all sorts of crazy things that are happening. And finally, Pharaoh says, you know, this is crazy. I'm just going to let these people in, get out of here. Go. Well, Pharaoh has a change of mind after he had loaded up a bunch of work on him and decides to pursue them with the region's biggest military. And the Israelites, of course, get to this place where they, they are going to cross the Red Sea and they do so on dry ground. And many of you know the story that as they are pursued by the army, the, the Egyptian uh, military, the water caves back in and drowns that army. Thus, the deliverance of the people of Israel. God is a God that delivers. And this is a key moment in the people knowing that God is present and active among them. This will be the thing that that even today, Jews look back on and say, because of that event, we know God is present and active in the affairs of the world because of God's deliverance. God is a God that delivers. Later on, we see God, for example, delivering Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. We see the great story that we saw played out here of David defeating Goliath, not with rhymes, but with a, a slingshot. The people returning from exile, all examples of God's delivering his people into a place of something new, something free. And so what? So what does this mean for us today, especially when we are not people that find ourselves living under slavery in in Egypt under Pharaoh? What does this mean for us today? The group of students that I meet with called the In Speaking Team helped me identify that the key question to the practical part of this text is the question of if there is such thing as deliverance, it means that you must be delivered from something, from something to something. So there's two things that I want to I take the next few moments to reflect on. One from Moses and the other from the people of Israel. So here's what I want you to take away from Moses when it comes to this story of deliverance. And that's simply to engage with God. Engage with God. Engage with the God that is active among you. Say what you will about Moses as broken and doubting and insecure. What we can appreciate is that Moses continually took that to God and had a dialogue with God. 
He engages with God. Certainly in the time that I have been in ministry in this place, I've met with some great, some great folks, some great guys that would otherwise be awesome in ministry and in service, but say to me, dude, I don't think I can stop drinking. I don't think I can stop looking at porn. I want to, but I can't. And if I can't do that, how can I possibly be serving in ministry right now? I want to get away, but I can't. Well, because they can't stop sinning in their own minds. They stop moving. You see that sometimes when there is this recognition of I'm unworthy, I'm not the right guy, I'm sinning, there's this paralysis that can happen that keeps one stuck. Though Moses did not find himself to be perfect, tried to convince God, you've got the wrong guy. He engaged with God, and he kept moving. At the beginning of chapter 4, there was a really important question that the Lord asked Moses as, as he said, what if they don't believe me? What if the people don't believe me? And the Lord, the Lord says to Moses, what's in your hand? Moses, what do, you, what do you have? What do you got? He says, well, I've got the tool that I use as a shepherd. I've got my staff says, throw it down on the ground. And God does something, as one of my pastor friends says, does something uh, super with Moses natural. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine that um, was in a broken, broken place in his own life. He, uh, through some really weird st- circumstances, lost his job. Um, it... it it burned his reputation as he, as he left this job. And to boot, uh, right as he's getting, getting fired and having a hard time finding a job, he finds out that he and his wife are pregnant with their first child. And it was, for him, the most painful moment of, of his life. And though he would, he would have done anything to trade from that moment, what he had was simply who he was. And now, years later, he can say, that moment was awful, and it's the most, one of the most important things that has ever happened to me. And he even says, I'm so glad that it did. You see, what this guy has is a story. What he What he had was a job. What he now has is a story that God took something that he had, something that happened to him, and delivered him from it. You see, what is being communicated here is that Moses, in all of his insecurities, in all of his doubts, in all of his skepticisms, in all the ways that he was not gifted to do what the Lord was trying to get him to do, Moses was delivered. He was delivered from himself from his own insecurities, his own doubts. Sound familiar? God, though he appeared in a spectacular way in a burning bush to Moses, and he's not going to do that uh, perhaps with any of us. The heart of God is is, is a heart that wants to deliver people like Moses, people like us. But of course, the story is not merely about Moses. It's about a community that is being led from slavery to, 
to freedom. And as this people looked around at what they would have called the impossible, everything was stacked against them. They kept going. They kept going because of the hope that God was present and active among them, despite them looking at themselves and their own circumstances and insecurities. I know that when I was a college student and I first came up here, I, I was doing my best to engage with God as I, as I was starting to grow in my faith and, and come to the end. And, and I had a sense that when I would show up here at the end, I was always tempted to look around and go, man, all these people seem so great. They've got it all, all they, they all seem to have it figured out somehow. What am I doing with this incredible group of, of folks? Do I need to somehow get myself right? Do I need to be, be better? Do I need to be healed before I can be really a part of this community? Well, as I continued to, to invest in this place, I found this community to be a little bit peculiar in that the more I talked with people, the more I found that people were willing to admit, you know, I don't have it all figured out. I know myself to be one in need of rescue, in need of being delivered. It was the first time that I had, I had found myself in such a place. You see, God was not only present and active in delivering me, where I began to, to discover that even more was God was present and active in delivering all of us. You see, this promise of deliverance is not just for me. It's not just for individuals. If the promise is you are blessed to be a blessing and the whole world will be blessed through you, then this promise of deliverance is for much more than us. So it is profoundly about us and it's not about us. It's about God's heart for the entire world. And so when we hear this story of incredible deliverance, of what God has done in leading uh, this group of people from slavery, the signs of these plagues, the pursuit of a military, and an epic through the Red Sea, what we remember is that God is present and active among us. You see, if we believe that promise, if we believe this story, and we believe that it's our story, if we believe that I am is with us, if we believe that I am is with you, then when we find ourselves asking the questions that burden us, we have an answer. The question's like this. Who's going to save me from my insecurities? I am. Who's going to lead me from this desperately lonely place? I am. Who's going to help me overcome my secret addictions? I am. Who's going to meet me in this depression? I am. Who can forgive my sins? I am. 
Who's going to love me when I'm really found out? I am. Who's going to heal my neighbor? I am. Who's going to guide the nations and the world? I am. Who's going to deliver us? I am. Let's pray. Lord, for your word, we are grateful. For the promises that you make to be with us as you are. Lord, we, we, don't, we don't comprehend that. Uh, but help us to know uh, your truth, to know your promises more. As we uh, journey with you individually and as we become a peculiar community, a community that admits our need to be delivered. Uh, so, Lord, we, we confess that again tonight, that we need you. And we are thankful, uh, Lord, for you, for you, Jesus, for securing our deliverance, for your sacrifice on the cross, for your body, for your blood, that you have not only poured out to us, but that you have poured out to all people. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.